Welcome to Interviews. Being an entrepreneur is the toughest job ever. There are no practical guidelines. So I created this podcast to help crack the entrepreneurship code. Join me every week as I invite entrepreneurs to share their stories, the practical tips and lessons they've learned along the way. Don't be the main bottleneck in your business. Subscribe now. Interviews is brought to you by Social Prize, a marketing and communication agency operating remotely since 2005. Social Prize specializes in digital technologies and communication, web development, e-commerce, remote working, coaching, training, growth hacking. Log on their website, socialprize.me. Hi, thank you for listening. Today, I'm very pleased to be talking with the legendary Pat Flynn. That's one of my clients. He put it, he put it that way. <laughs> Pat is a father, husband, and serial entrepreneur who lives and works in San Diego, USA. He owns several successful online businesses like the Smart Passive Income blog. He's a professional blogger, keynote speaker, Wall Street Journal bestselling author, and host of the Smart Passive Income and Ask Pat podcast, which have earned a combined total of over 65 million downloads. He also has uh, received multiple awards and is featured in publications such as the New York Times and Forbes. And last but not least, Pat is also an advisor to ConvertKit, LeadPages, Teachable, and other companies in the digital marketing arena. Whew, that was that. I said everything. Hey, Pat, thank you very much for being with me today. <laughs> hey, thank you for uh, for having me. That's definitely you know I, I've done a lot of things, and and every time I hear the intro, I'm reminded of that. But I'm very grateful for the experiences, and I hope that I can help your audience today. Yes, I hope so. I'm sure you will. So tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you end up an entrepreneur? Yeah, you know, I didn't know I was going to be an entrepreneur. It kind of took me by surprise. I actually wanted to be an architect. And in 2008, I was flying high. I was climbing the corporate ladder and was doing everything I could to advance my career there. But then in the U.S. in 2008 uh, came the Great Recession. Mm -hmm. And that's where so many people lost their jobs and, and my job included. And it was very tough for me. I didn't have a plan B because I had done everything that I was supposed to do, get good grades, go to good college, get good, uh, get a good job. And yet I still got let go. And, you know, it was very depressing. I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. So there was kind of a lull period where I was kind of questioning uh, what happened. And I was looking for other jobs in the architecture space and nobody was hiring at the time. I'm very grateful, though, because I discovered podcasts around this time, and there was one podcast. It was called Internet Business Mastery, and it was hosted by two gentlemen, Jeremy and Jason, and they invited a, a person on the show one day. His name was Cornelius Fitchner, and he had a website where he was making six figures a year, over $100,000, helping people pass the project management exam or the PM exam. I had never right. heard of that exam before, but – this idea of helping people pass an exam was very interesting to me because on my way to becoming an architect, I had taken several exams and one exam in particular was very difficult. There was very little information about it. So I was like, oh, maybe I can be the person to step up and help people who are also taking this exam. So that's what I did. I built a website. Um, you can find it still today. It's at greenexamacademy.com and this was mm -hmm. in 2008. I put my notes on the website. I uh, tried to help people who were coming to the website who found me through Google. And all of a sudden, more and more people started to find it. More and more people started to link to it. 
And then in uh, late 2008, I published a study guide. So this was literally just a Word document that I exported as a PDF. I sold it on the website for $19.99, and that completely changed my life because in that month, I had made uh, nearly $8,000 in revenue from just a PDF file that I was selling online. But what was most interesting was the response. You know, initially, I remember feeling very worried that people would not think it was great enough or people would ask for a refund or, or whatnot, but the exact opposite happened. I had a lot of people send me emails and notes saying, wow, you made this so easy for me. Thank you. And, mm -hmm. you know, um, I never found anybody who was quite as helpful as you. And I just never had heard that kind of personal feedback from my work before. So I leaned into it even more and started to help them even further. And the income continued to grow all the way up to thirty dollars to $35,000 a month, which was more than half of what I was making in an entire year when I was in architecture. And this was the moment where I started to go, wow, there might be a lot of other people who might want to know about how I did this because I'm just figuring out as I go and I can maybe save other people some time who are struggling or, or who also lost their job. So I created smartpassiveincome.com uh, to help people and to really just display openly and honestly and authentically what exactly I was doing. And I was sharing the things that were working. I was also sharing the things that weren't working all just to kind of pay it forward and help uh, people. And then, of course, that continued to grow because it was very different in the space of teaching business. A lot of people who were teaching business at the time were, you know, holding that information inside of a vault and never sharing it. Or uh, you would have to pay lots of money to get access to it, or they just never shared it at all. And I think that it really resonated with people when it wasn't about the giant mansions or the Lamborghinis or the, uh, the, the McLarens for me. It was about, you know, just being able to be financially secure to survive my layoff and to support my family. And I'm very grateful that I've been able to do that and, and now also give back and do a lot more things since then. Philanthrop uh, philan uh, philanthropy, um, keynote speeches, writing books and other things to help people in this space. And now what I do is I build businesses publicly and I work in public and I show people, again, it's never perfect, uh, but I show people the messy start and how to you know, take the knowledge that they have or the experiences that they've gained and package them in a way that can help and serve others. Cause that's really what it's all about serving other people. And that's what all good businesses do. So that that's, that's how I got into entrepreneurship. It was um, thanks to a layoff. So I'm very grateful now looking back that I had gotten let go. Right. But I am sure you didn't plan for it. Right. No. <laughs> no, it was the worst thing to like at the, at the time it was, it was the worst thing to ever happen to me because yeah. I had spent, years in school and I had just proposed to my girlfriend and we were planning this life together and then boom, it just gets taken away from you. It never feels good. But again, I think that that opened up my eyes to the opportunities that, that were always around me. I just never had a reason to explore them. Right. So today, what does it mean for you to be an entrepreneur? Is it what you were talking about building, building businesses? Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm doing, mm. but what it means to be an entrepreneur is about the why behind it. Right. Mm. And there's a number of different ways. Uh, immediately, there's the service to my audience and the people who support me, who pay for my products and my coaching and, and what have you. And I want to make sure they get what they deserve and they're able to build a business of their own. Um, but more than that, you know, it's definitely about family. It's definitely about uh, recognition and, and personal fulfillment. But really, the reason why entrepreneurship, I think, is really key is because when you build things uh, in, in this way, um, you can potentially and I'm very grateful that I'm here. Um, you could do what you want, when you want, with who you want. Mm. 
and I'm not tied down to any sort of nine to five schedule, even though I still have a schedule. I'm not uh, helping to build somebody else's dream. I can build my own dreams. Mm. And that feels very, very good. And um, to do that and help people at the same time and everybody wins. And I think that's great. Nice. So what's your dream? So my dream changes a lot. <laughs> okay. So if you ask me this question in 2008, when I get laid off, my dream would have just been to survive and, and live a happy life with my family. Yeah. And then I was able to thrive as a business owner. And my dreams changed because I was able to provide that uh, survival to myself and my family. Um, so then it was, okay, well, let's Let's start investing into the future for the family. Let's make sure the kids are taken care of so that when they go to college, they have as many options as possible. Let's, you know, go on vacations now that we can afford it and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, my dream was to just kind of explore the world and travel a little bit more. But then after that, you know, when when that was sort of in motion, uh, well, what's, what's the next dream? The next dream was to uh, use the success that we've had to help others who may not even know we exist. And so this is where in 2014, we did a lot of work with a organization called Pencils of Promise, where we built schools around the world. We actually, or I, I went with um, a friend of mine to, um, to Africa to see some uh, buildings that we had built and some schools mm -hmm. and to meet the children and to meet the teachers and to see the impact that we made there was just uh, absolutely life-changing. Um, and so what next? Well, the dream now with the platforms that I have and the ability to, you know, speak a voice and to have people listen now in, in a very scalable way, you know, I want to make a change in the world of education. My kids are in school now and I see exactly the impact that their teachers and their school have on what their future will become. And I can use my platform to help better guide where I believe education should be. And so I'm actually right now in the middle of writing a book about this and using my platforms to sort of share this uh, thought and at least start a discussion about, well, a change in education, at least here in the U.S., because it's very, very archaic. And mm. I think that times are changing much faster than education is. And so, you know, that's the dream there. And then personally, in, you know, 10, 20 years, the dream would be to own a coffee farm in Hawaii, because right. that would be where would be something that would fulfill me and uh, I feel like I could do a lot of great work there. I'd love to write a fiction book one day. Um, these are the kinds of dreams that I have. And, and I have dreams about my kids and the great work that they do and the good citizens that they become and the value that they provide to the world. And, you know, these are the kinds of things that motivate me every day. Mm. Is this what success is for you, being able to live your dream, being able to make an impact? Because we, we talk a lot about success, you know, mm -hmm. and... But I want to know from your own perspective, because you build a small empire, you made a name for yourself. What, what is success for you? Success to me is being able to work toward those dreams and have all the options available to do yeah. so. Um, whether you achieve those dreams or not, I still, think, I still think you could be successful. Because, and I heard this quote from a friend of mine, James, um, uh, uh, James Wedmore, he said that, well, with whatever you do, you either get the result you wanted or the lesson you needed. Therefore, there is no failure as long as you mm -hmm. keep going. And so for me, success is the ability to see not just a job well done or, you know, income in the balance sheet or, you know, a smile for my kids. All those things, you know, are, are, are a, 
um, a symptom of success to me. Um, but success is that ability to, like I said earlier, be able to do what you want when you want with who you want to and have that um, have that option. At the same time, it's I'm not sitting on the beach right now on a laptop sipping a, a pina colada. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, I'm in my home office and I and I'm working hard. I'm working hard because I, there's more people in this world for me to serve. But at the same time, I could with my family decide next week that we're going to take a week off and go to the Bahamas mm. and and sit on the beach, hopefully without a laptop uh, and, and enjoying some family time before getting back to work. So flexibility is is um, a part of success to me as well. Right. What would you say are maybe let's let's take three, the top three reasons for your success, for the success of your company? Number one, I think, is the just authenticity. I had actually become somebody who was featured in an article with the likes of people like uh, Tony Shea and Richard Branson and other people. And to see my name there with those amazing entrepreneurs, it's just like, wow, um, what am I doing here? But the article was uh, top 10 most authentic leaders. And I'm very grateful that I'm seen as such because I think that authenticity has played a major role, especially in the niche that I'm in, where there's a lot of people who, well, they might be just sharing their best foot forward. They're not ever sharing their mistakes or failures, but how are you going to teach people if you can't own up to your own mistakes? And I think that that's become something that a lot of people have known me for definitely. And whether it's on a podcast like this or in person or in my books or on a blog or in video, I'm, I'm just me. I'm just going to be me no matter what. Uh, number two is I think that I've definitely focused on helping people get results and hmm. not results that are going to take years to get, but results that can happen quickly. There's a strategy that I recommend every entrepreneur implore, and that is the idea of, of, of the small, quick win for your audience, right? If you want to change a person's life, start by changing their day first. So what's a small little thing that you could help a person with, which then what happens is as we are fed these small rewards, it's almost like a like training, where a person will come back for more and come back for more. The reptilian parts of our brain actually respond to small rewards uh, better than a long, big goal that might take forever because we're not getting any feedback right away. So I love the idea, and this is something I include in my business all the time, is this idea of providing a person the ability to, within the first few minutes of coming onto the brand and exploring a little bit, they, they get something that they can't get anywhere else, which allows them to come back and, and start sharing. And then number three, speaking of sharing, I think a big part of what I've learned is work. It worked for me is storytelling. Storytelling is one of the most important things when it comes to not just business, but just communication. And communication mm. is definitely about business, of course. But when you tell a great story, it allows the audience to transport themselves into that situation and to be able to better relate to that situation, to be able to better uh, share and, and resonate with that message. And the more I've honed in on my storytelling to a point where I'm actually getting coaching for storytelling, I'm reading books and learning about how to tell better story. Uh, it, it, it really has made a deep impact on an audience and, and my audience and, and is very, very receptive to, to the stories as any audience is. And especially when you can tie that into the education that you are offering your audience. I mean, again, everybody can, can win at that point, but it's the focus on storytelling and, uh, you know, for the, for the longest time, I've told my story, just like I did at the beginning of this show, and I still do. And I'm happy to do so, even though I've told it a million times. I, yeah. I, I tell it because <laughs> I, I know the impact that it can make. 
Um, but what I'm focusing on now that I know I need to work on more is telling the stories of my students more because mm. those stories actually sell my products better than, than my own story because it's an actual user who has come in with some challenges and struggles and come out the other end with much more success and a person seeing that can relate better and, and, and might want the same guidance through my work. So those are the three things that I think have definitely contributed to my success amongst many other things as well, yeah. building, a, building a team, uh, having support so that I'm not doing everything myself, understanding that I'm not good at everything, but the things that I'm not good at, I, I know there are people who are great at those things who could support me so that I can do more of the things that light me up instead of those things that perhaps bog me down. Mm. One thing also I noticed is you're very clear about who you target. And I think you wrote in your, in your book, uh, Will It Fly? How to Test mm. Your Next Business Idea So You Don't Waste Your Time and Money. You wrote, the riches are in the niches, but the fortune is in the follow-up. Can you elaborate on that? Yes. Yeah, so if you're starting a business of any kind, the worst thing you can do is be too general with who it is that you're targeting. And it's mm. interesting because when you ask a person, well, how big do you want your business to go to be? Or who do you want to serve? They go, well, I want to serve everybody. I want everybody in the world to buy my product. And that makes sense. But the truth is you don't need a blockbuster hit or a million bazillion dollar business. You don't need um, to build the next Tesla or Uber. You can find um, a small little niche that has some very specific problems. And when you find that niche, that market, you are better able to connect with them because mm. that's who you're focusing on. You can understand their language that they use in their little world. And instead of focusing on changing the world, change their world. And when you change their world, you become the guy that they share with everybody else, right? When you help one person in that space, typically they're connected with other people who share similar interests, problems, challenges, or struggles. And you're able to grow much faster, even though you're targeting less people and there's less competition, right? Mm -hmm. So it's the difference between, oh, I'm going to start a business to help people with their fitness and get healthier, right? That's an admirable goal. But what does that mean? That means so many different things to so many people. It might mean helping people who are, you know, uh, large bodied become, you know, more of a, a healthier weight, or it might mean those who are too skinny to get some more muscle. Or it might yeah. mean helping people live a better gluten-free lifestyle. Or it might mean people who want to run their first marathon. Or maybe it's not their first marathon. Maybe it's the, the ultra marathon. Each of those different spaces are within the realm of fitness and, and, and health, but are spoken to completely differently, who ha mm. have different sets of problems. So the riches are in the niches, even though I know it's pronounced niches, but it rhymes better this way. Um, <laughs> It's just you, you save yourself so much time and headache by, by narrowing down, and you can, you can expand later. And then the follow-up is the fortune is in the follow-up. If you are, for example, trying to have conversations with people in that space to learn more about them, oftentimes you might reach out and you're not going to hear back. But many times it's when you follow up and you make sure that they know that you, you are looking to help them that they then respond. It's when you are marketing and you just send one email well, it might be crickets, but sometimes when you follow up and you tell a good story, you follow up and you really connect with a person, that's where oftentimes the movement starts to happen. Many times we don't make buying decisions, especially after the first uh, touch point. It might take mm. several touch points, but if you continue to follow up, you continue to hone in on your skills and you continue to learn more about who it is you're serving 
and all that can be information to help you better serve that audience. Very nice. Thank you for sharing. Let's go back to you a little bit. What have you learned about yourself since you became an entrepreneur? A lot of things. Definitely, I've learned a lot about myself. I've learned what I'm great at. And I think it's important for all of us to know what our superpowers are. I'm very, Mm. very good at being empathetic with an audience, which I think has definitely served me well. The idea to um, immerse myself in a person's space and in in a person's life to know exactly how they might feel about something. That's helped me in my marketing language. It's helped me just better connect and better uh, serve those audiences with content and products. Um, I also know that I'm very good at communication. It's something yeah. that I was not always good at. I definitely worked for it and had gotten training and coaching for it. But, you know, putting myself on stages and, you know, 1600 episodes of podcasts later, I can definitely get an idea across. I can t- definitely tell a story better. And so I try to look for places where I can do that more, right? It's why I'm not in my spreadsheets. I'm not in the day-to-day of my business in that way. I'd rather be creating content and, and showing up on video and showing up on podcasts like this and showing up on stages because that's what I know I'm good at, which mm-hmm. is why I also know what I'm weak at. And with what I'm weak at, that's where I can find support, whether that support is you know, software, uh, which is what it was initially, or people that I can hire uh, on a contractual basis to now a team of 12 full-time employees who the business supports and pays for and health benefits included and all this stuff. And it makes me feel really, really good that this business empire that I've built has also brought these amazing, talented people in to help support and serve the same audience because we all have the same mission and goals to help serve those people. And we can all together do that and, and, and together you know, share in this, in this journey. Mm. I think another thing that I've learned about myself is that I often will wait to the last minute to do things. I um, not necessarily procrastinate. I just know that my best work is done when there's no time to think myself out of something. I need pressure and it might sound weird, but I purposefully put myself under pressure because that's when I do my best work. When I'm forced to know that I have to make decisions, I'm better at making those decisions because I cut through any sort of, you know, stories that I might tell myself about, well, maybe this won't work or maybe, you know, whatever. Um, I will, I will do much better work when I am under pressure. So I purposefully put myself under pressure. I put self-imposed deadlines. I Mm. have uh, my teammates hold me accountable to getting things delivered at certain times or else, you know, I'll continue to wait because I, it's just when I know I do my best work and that's not how everybody is, but it's really important to know that about yourself so that you know how to best live in your most creative mind and and be the best version of yourself for the things that you're trying to do. Um, I I also... I was oh, about ahead. to say, you, are, you, you struck me as being very uh, self-aware. Thank you. Um, it is so important to, 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 to do that because if you are not, then you might do things that maybe don't make you happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you might do things in a way that are just wasting time and are not efficient. And I, th- that to say, I don't always see th- these things about myself. Sometimes you can't read the label when you're inside the bottle and I have other people help me read that label. So mm-hmm. I have different mastermind groups, for example, that I'm a part of friends who've been in these groups with me for over a decade now, who know me sometimes better than I know myself, especially if I'm in a tough time or if I'm in a pickle of, of a kind, um, personal and business. And a lot of times I rely on these friends and colleagues of mine to 
be brutally honest with me about how things are being perceived from the outside because when I'm deep into my work, sometimes it's really difficult to see what it actually is, is like on the outside. And I can get mm-hmm. that, that readjustment or, or, or get back on the path um, based on that feedback that I might get. And then, of course, I offer that same kind of feedback and brutal honesty um, from a place of support to those people as well because they, I know, will turn around and do that for me too. And so surrounding myself with people by far is the number one thing that has gotten me where I am. I would not be where I am today if it weren't for the people I've surrounded myself with. And as Jim Rohn said, you're the average of the five people you spend most of your time with. Mm -hmm. So I try to spend time with people who support me, uh, time with people who are much smarter than me. Uh, I try to spend time around, um, you know, people who I know will, will get my, who have my back uh, because I've got theirs and connections networking and connections. You know, when I go to events, I remember when I first started going to events in 2008, I was, I didn't want to talk to anybody. I was too shy. Um, But if only I knew that the next person that you might meet might be the person to introduce you to the thing that you might need next, or the person that, that might, you know, uh, get you an opportunity that didn't exist before. And it's like, well, what's the worst that can happen? Well, maybe they'll just say no, or, Hey, you know, I'm not interested in chatting right now. And I think that that's like the cons of that are, 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 are completely overshadowed by the pros that might be able to happen as a result of just putting yourself out there. And so that's another thing I've learned about myself. It's I'm, I'm a introvert. Mm-hmm. So I, I naturally will gravitate toward, you know, wanting to be alone, to recharge on my own. But at the same time, that doesn't mean that I always have to be by myself. That just means that, you know, it's going to take some work and energy to meet people and, put myself out there. And yes, it might be uncomfortable, but the pros and, and the opportunities that can come out of that are just unmatched. Nice. I can totally relate to that because I'm kind of the same. I like mm. to be by myself too. Yeah. Is there anything that you would have done differently? Well, definitely. I, I mean, I kind of just touched on one, trying to yeah. meet more people and, and connect with more people for sure. I wish I had started my email list sooner. The email list is an absolutely important and integral and vital part of a business. And as my friend Amy Porterfield says, the um, strength of your email list, not the size, the strength of your email list um, parallels the strength of your business. I wish that I had let go sooner as well. And what I mean by that is it took me a long time to get comfortable with the idea of hiring somebody to do work for me, work that I know Mm -hmm. I could do myself. It's like, mm-hmm. well, why would I hire somebody? I could do this work myself. I could edit my podcast on my own and, I, I, and I'm good at it and I like it. Why would I let somebody else do that? Well, I eventually realized that I would let and should let somebody else do that because there are more higher impact things that I could do with my time. And the other part about this is there's people who actually can do it better and faster than I can. And, and, and I didn't believe that at first. And I don't know if it was a pride thing right? Where, well, it would only be good if I did it myself. No. Now I know that it's a team effort that helps the machine keep going. And I wish I had hired these amazing, talented people sooner because it's definitely not just helped me do better work. It's helped me get more time back. And that time is now used not just for business, but also just to spend more time with my family and to take some time away from the business to be able to recoup and to recharge and get back into it even even faster and that's the beauty is like the business i could i could take three months off 
and the business would still continue to run. It would still continue to work and I wouldn't have to worry at all. And that's, that's a beautiful feeling that, uh, that peace of mind that comes with having, yeah. you know, an amazing team behind it. Yeah. You've mentioned, uh, you quoted several people. Um, what's your favorite quote? My favorite quote is from Henry Ford. Mm. And that is whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. It's all about the mindset. If you are approaching something and you just are already don't believe that, it, that you're going to be able to do this or you don't believe that it's going to happen, well, you basically are being factual about that because you've already you know, said it's not going to happen. Um, nothing happens unless you actually believe it can. So whether you think you can or you can't, you're right. And this is why I tr always try to stay in the positive mindset. I always try to look at the glass half full. I always try to look for the good in people. I always look for um, the challenge, but then what might happen after that challenge? What is the what is what is the thing that I know will happen if I go through and I I conquer this or I get through this wall or or this brick wall? So it's all about mindset, right? Mm -hmm. It's similar to you know think and grow rich, right? And I remember when I uh, this is Napoleon Hill. I remember when I heard that book title, I was like think and grow rich. And then I was like, okay, I'm just going to think about a million dollars and it's going to appear right in front of me. And it's like, that's not how it works. But if you really believe that you can, for example, create something that would get you a million dollars and you actually believe that, then guess what? You will do the actions that support that belief. And the opposite is true. If you don't believe this is going to happen, whatever your goals might be, well, then your actions will support that. And then therefore it will be true. Right. It's like in spots. Exactly the same type of, of mindset. And actually, I like, I like to compare entrepreneurs with, with professional athletes. I think yeah. there's, there's a lot of similarities between them. I love the sports analogy stuff. There is a very vivid memory I have of Tiger Woods in his mm. prime, right? Tiger Woods wearing the red and the black on his final day on Sunday when he's at the Masters or whatever tournament he's at. And I remember uh, getting ready to watch Tiger finish uh, around, and he was practicing, and he was on the golf course just kind of at the range swinging. But there was a person behind him, and I remember the announcer saying, "Oh, that's Tiger Woods' swing coach. The best golfer in the world still had somebody coaching him." And I was like, "Who's that guy? Like, who? That Tiger doesn't need a swing coach." He's the greatest in the world. Mm. But then I realized, well, no, actually the opposite is true. Tiger is the greatest in the world because he has a swing coach, right? So when I am considering doing something new or, or, or even doing something old that I just want to get better at, I always know there are other people out there who might know something that I don't. And I always look to them to try to find guidance. I always look to them to try to invest in their education. I always try to get in the same room with them and try to ask them questions because they've done it before. That's their mastery. They've made mistakes too. And I can perhaps fast forward my progress if I were to tap into their knowledge and experience as well. And yeah, that's like one of the many sports sort of analogies that I know relate to life and, and business. Mm -hmm. No need to reinvent the wheel sometimes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What are you the most proud of? I'm, I'm most proud of, you know, my books. Mm. Um, I have a few books. Uh, Let Go is my first one written in 2013. It's about my journey of entrepreneurship and getting laid off. And, you know, it's called Let Go because I was let go from my position, but it's also let go because in order to get 
to become an entrepreneur, I actually had to let go of who I thought I was supposed to be. And I thought I was supposed to be an architect, but no. Mm. My second book was Will It Fly? And very proud of that one because it became a Wall Street Journal bestseller as a self-published book. Didn't even know that was possible. But it really resonated with people. And I think that today, even still, you know, that was written six years ago. I still get private messages from people saying, hey, I started my thing thanks to your book. And it really makes me happy because I know that that book will still be around even when I'm gone. Um, and then super fans, my most recent book, I'm super proud of. And although it didn't hit a, a, a bestseller list, it's actually making more sales and getting into more people's hands now. And with the creator economy really in full stride right now and people starting everything new, um, this ability to help people focus on the importance of building a relationship with your audience and not so worried about getting such a huge audience, but more so creating an experience for the audience that you already have, which will then in turn, of course, grow your audience. This book, Superfans, is really making a big impact. And I'm hearing messages about people doing the work and getting results even more quickly than with Will It Fly. And the reason why I'm proud of those things, I mean, I'm proud of a lot of things. I'm proud of my team. I'm proud of my audience who takes action. But I'm proud of those books because those were some of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Like writing a book is terrifying. Writing a book is hard. Um, like I just want to throw my laptop out the window some days. But again, this journey of breaking this giant book down into little bits and pieces and treating it like little blog posts chapter by chapter is really the way that I was able to see it through. Um, I just couldn't be more proud of like putting in that effort and then seeing people use it. And when I look back at my journey, it's like, wow, that's actually how architecture was, right? Mm -hmm. You have a client when you're in architecture and you want to build something, you want to design something with them in mind. So I'm like writing these books with them in mind, but it's a long process. And every day you're working on the, the drafts or you have client calls and you're working with the engineers and you're working with all these things and it takes forever, but you keep going because there's going to be a moment when in the world of architecture, your client, they're going to see this beautiful building and they're going to walk through it. They're going to use it and they're going to be happy with it. And I guess in such a way, I guess I still am in a way an architect. I'm just not creating buildings. I'm creating books, creating content. I'm here on podcasts. I'm on stage to help, again, the client on the other end or the person in the seat or the person listening to the podcast. So I guess I still am kind of doing what I set out to do just in a different medium, I guess. Mm -hmm. That's a nice analogy. I like it. If you take all your experience and uh, into like one recommendation to entrepreneurs or wannabe entrepreneurs, what would it be? If I wasn't going to be an entrepreneur? Yes. Or if you want, you know, or you can also, can also be a recommendation for other entrepreneurs. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the biggest thing for me is this relationship that we have with failure. Mm. I, don't know, I don't know about you, uh, but when I grew up, failing was the last thing you'd ever want to do. Um, I, I, I grew up in a household where when I would get you know, a 93% of my math test, you know, even a 95 or 96, like an A, I'd come home and my dad would be like, well, what happened to the other 4%? Like, you have to be perfect. You have to be perfect. And I'd work for hours to perfect. And I was perfect. I got perfect grades in high school. I got perfect grades in college. I did everything perfectly in my work as an architect. 
And yet I was still let go. And in entrepreneurship, failing is actually one of the best things you can do. Mm. And it's because there are things that you can learn from those failures. A failure becomes a learning moment. I once heard that the acronym for fail means first attempt in learning. I really like that. And this idea of this journey that you're on, right? Where entrepreneurship really never ends. It, it's, it's a journey and you learn as you go and you have wins and you have failures. And you know hopefully there's other people to help you along and to do it with you who you also support at the same time. But now I look at failures and I, and I smile. I get really happy when I fail because A, I know not to do that again. Uh, B, I know that I can learn from either the data or having conversations about what I could do better next time. And C, I just know that that means that I'm on my way, mm -hmm. right? Failure is an option and you wanna fail fast. You don't try to fail, but you go into it knowing that you probably will. And knowing that you probably will and knowing that that's a good thing is actually great motivation because I can just continue to know I can learn my way to success. Um, so for anybody listening, if you are an entrepreneur and starting or you are already an entrepreneur, I would challenge you to find your next failure point so that you can learn and grow even faster and make a pivot point that you might actually need. Thank you for saying that. Failure is an important topic indeed. My show is called Interviews Cracking the Entrepreneurship Code. So have you cracked the code? I've cracked the code for me. And yeah. I think that hopefully people listening can crack the code for themselves using this as inspiration, pulling bits and pieces out, but kind of like a diet, right? A diet that works for one person is not going to necessarily work for the other because we're all different bodies. We're all different minds. We all have different ways and different lifestyles. And I think, again, the most important thing is just you put yourself out there be okay with failure, but do it to serve other people. And that's really what all good businesses do. And that's, that's what the code is. The code is, well, how can you, capital Y-O-U, best serve your target audience? Um, you don't have to do it like everybody else, but try, experiment, fail, try again, and help people get a result. And you're going to see your earnings are a byproduct of how well you serve your audience. Nice. Last question. How can people contact you? You can reach out to me at Pat Flynn on Twitter or Instagram. I would love to say hello to you there and let me know that you listened to this and if you enjoyed it or, or even if you didn't, I'd love to hear from you. Uh, you could also find me on YouTube, Pat Flynn uh, is the username. And then finally, of course, the website smartpassiveincome.com where all the education is there that you might need to help you build yourself a business of any kind and will help you guide you uh, along the way. So thank you again for uh, allowing me to share my story and to um, hopefully start a relationship with, with you. Um, thank you. Well, thank you very much for your, for your time, Pat. And uh, thank you all for listening. If you've enjoyed this show, don't forget to subscribe to my podcast so you don't miss any episodes. See you next time. Bye-bye.